Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Uh, We thank you for the truth that anchors us in the stormy seas that we find ourselves in, in this hour, in this generation, Lord. And uh, I just pray tonight that there would be encouragement given to the heart, there would be comfort given to the heart, and Holy Spirit, where we need to be convicted, where there's sinfulness, or where there's things where you're tweaking in our life, we say, yes, Lord, touch those areas. We want to leave more aware uh, of your love for us and more aware of how we can just lay ourselves down to be who you've called us to be. So Holy Spirit, just illuminate the truth. I present myself as a communicator of your word, Lord. Let, let me get out of the way, and I pray you, Lord Jesus, would just come through this time of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible or if you have your, your phone, you can swipe over to Jonah. I'm not going to get to too many specific verses, but I'm going to start in, in verse 1 of Jonah 1 and then preach every single verse in the dog. Kidding. We'll start at Jonah 1. But this will probably go for about a half hour. So I'm, I'm not, I don't want to scare too many people. I've been known to go way longer. But uh, but I'm titling this message as, as David prophetically prayed. This is the messenger and the mercy of God. The messenger and the mercy of God. So I've been thinking about this book for the last couple of weeks. I've actually been meditating in a few different portions of Scripture, and I've been drawn in a fresh way to Jonah, the life of Jonah. And just, we get, you know, four chapters, and it's a pretty dramatic story. I mean, if you get eaten by a giant fish, I mean, you're going to kind of stand out in Scripture. And we don't know much about him before this or much after but we get this snapshot, and we just, we're given a gem, in my opinion. We're given a gem, and that here's a story of an ordinary person just like us, who's flawed, who doesn't do it right, but has a massive impact on the people he ministered to in his generation. And so, the first truth I just kind of want to lob out there, kind of like a beach ball, and just let you just hit a home run with it. The first truth that I just find so remarkable as we look at, you know, I'm, I'm going to touch on a couple verses. But Jonah was called to preach to 120,000. I mean, his impact was to be a whole city, the city of Nineveh. And that was 120,000 people, it tells us in Scripture. And so this remarkable truth that kind of comes to the surface as you read about this is that whole people groups, large cities, 120,000 people, that hangs in the balance 
of an ordinary person, a flawed person who just struggles with what God called him or her to do. We know Jonah wrestled really deeply with his calling. And let me just read verse 1. Verse 1 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Only a small number of people know what that feels like. I just want to I want to present this maybe in a different light than we've typically heard this. We kind of think of Jonah and we go, oh, the guy that got swallowed by a fish, why didn't he just obey? There is a real weight to being a genuine prophet of God. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, it is a, it is a dividing line. When the word of the Lord comes to you, it is... It gets real, real, to put it in kind of our nomenclature. There's no going back. You know, in today's culture, a lot of people tell me, oh, Derek, I just need a fresh word. I need a new prophetic word for this season. I need to go to the conference to get the word. That's great, but where it's not so great is is when God actually speaks. Then you're on the hook. Then you got to do it. Then you got to go to where he says, or then you got to say what he's saying to say. You have to obey at that point. Everybody's desperate for a word, but not everybody's desperate to obey the word. And so that's why even some don't get the word that they're looking for is because it's God doesn't just speak. So like, oh, cool, I got a word. He speaks so that we obey. But we learn in that that he's so merciful. He's so kind. Jonah gets a word. We don't know if he was praying for it. We don't know if it would, you know, we don't know a lot of his backstory, but all we do know is the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. We find out what that word is. The message was, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Tell them they're wicked. And I'm going to destroy their city. Not really the message I'm looking for, Lord. Um, I kind of want to be liked by people and have a fun ministry. Are you sure that's what the word of the Lord is? Yes, Jonah, I'm sure. Warn the people of Nineveh. I love them so much. They're in such profound idolatry and immorality. I need you to warn them because I will destroy that city if someone does not warn them. And so Jonah's like, oh, I would rather not say that. Let me make a point. A prophet of God is already the evidence of the mercy of God. Because God is completely just to destroy unrighteous cities. He's completely just to to destroy unrighteous humanity. And he's done that before. He would be completely within his own justice and holiness to just level whole cities. Because there's nobody righteous, no, not one, the psalmist said. Nobody on earth can stand before God and say, I'm good. You don't have to mess with me. I don't need a Savior. Every single person on planet Earth is born in sin, continues to sin, and needs Jesus. And yet, God in His mercy sends prophet after prophet, generation after generation, to warn people. We know the greatest prophet and the greatest warning ever given was by his son. But that's another message. But it is the mercy of God that Jonah's even there, that Jonah's even called. God has such compassion. Oh, those Ninevites, 
They're not even the Jewish people, but I love them so much. They're a Gentile people. I want them to stop what they're doing. And so, Jonah, will you please warn them? Tell them this specific message and what's Jonah do? Pop quiz. Who knows the rest of the story? Israel, I bet Israel knows. <laughs> Caught him sneezing. He runs. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit for that one because it was it's close enough. Dad, Dad helped you. Nineveh, so if you picture like in central Illinois on a map, Nineveh is northeast towards Chicago. Jonah decides, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go to Tarshish. That's towards St. Louis. That's west. He goes completely in the opposite direction. Why does he do that? Why does Jonah run? We're going to kind of weave it all back and forth here. We find out the reason in chapter 4. He hates the Ninevites. He hates the Ninevites. Here's the thing. He had good theology. We find out in chapter 4. I knew you were gracious God. I knew you were merciful. I just didn't want you to be like that toward the Ninevites. I, I don't like that. And why was that? The Jewish people hated Gentiles. They were sworn enemies. They absolutely wanted the Gentiles to die. And so God is kind of going, Jonah, I'm, I've got a bigger narrative going on. I'm sending you on not only a mission for this generation, for this moment, but it's prophetic. I'm wanting to reach the Gentiles. I'm wanting non-Jewish people to be included in what I'm doing. And we that'll play out throughout Scripture and redundant history. We know that today. But he had a heart for the Gentiles. He always had a heart for Jew and non-Jew. God wants them all to be reconciled to him in Christ. Jonah knew what God was like, but the, the, the theology that existed in his head hadn't touched his heart. And so he goes, ooh, I can't. I know if I preach, God's going to have mercy, and then Nineveh's going to repent, and God's going to be kind to them, and I don't want that to happen. I want them to be destroyed. So I'm going the other way. The problem with that is God's really good at running us out. So when the Lord speaks, it's like, ooh, cool, I've got a, oh, I think, I don't know, okay, I don't want to, I like that God spoke, but I don't like the message, so I'm just going to kind of not do it. I head to St. Louis, but then we find out real quick, okay, God sends the storm. You can't get away from God. He made the sea. So if you try to get away on the sea, he just, and so we know the story, the people are, they're like, what is happening? So they draw lots. Jonah, it's you. You're the problem. I know. Throw me into the sea. It'll stop if you just get rid of me. Now, I know we know this is a Bible story, but many times throughout the story, Jonah just wanted to die. I mean, he was wrestling with some deep stuff, man. And so if you guys just throw me into the sea, which meant kill me, then God will stop. And God goes, I already knew all of this was going to happen. I know who I'm dealing with. Let me just share this. God already knows what you're going to deal with. God already knows what you're going to go through. He still calls you. It's still genuine. Okay? He knows what he's getting into. So just because you found your life in Christ turbulent, or just because you found your calling difficult, 
or just because you're wrestling with, do I even want to do this? He factored that all in, and he still wants to use you. It's such a cool thing. Anyway, they throw him off the ship, everything calms down, and we're thinking, oh no, God sends the great fish. We don't know if it's a whale. It says great fish. I haven't studied it too deeply, but I mean, it could be a whale, but most scriptures just say great fish. Huge fish swallows them. And I interpret this story literally. I believe he really got swallowed by a real whale, and he was really in there. And in chapter 2, he's praying in the great fish. He has a prayer meeting in it. It's like, if you're ever swallowed by a whale, you know what the scriptures tell you to do. Just start praying. Jesus actually referenced the story of Jonah. So that's one way we know it was a literal story. It wasn't just make-believe. It wasn't just a you know literature. Jesus said what Jonah did when he was in the whale for you know a great fish, three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days. Jesus actually believed it was real. So I'm going with Jesus on that one. So he gets swallowed up by a fish. So imagine all of that. He goes to Tarshish, stormy seas, gets thrown in, swallowed by a great fish. I mean, that's, you can write a book at that point. The Holy Spirit says, I am going to make that a book. There's a few different points I want to make with that. Lord, help me. See, we like the term messenger nowadays. We, everybody wants to be a messenger. But one of the reasons God brings us, and every Christian's called to be a messenger, by the way. I'm not making this some kind of elite thing. We all as believers are called to speak the truth in love. The Bible does not say to be silent in love. It says to speak the truth in love. So every Christian is to be a witness at some level. Not everybody is going to be on a stage or you know lead millions or whatever. Not everybody's going to be Billy Graham, but me and you and whatever sphere we're called to, we're going to give witness to the truths of the Christian faith. We're to speak on some of it. We can't be like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm going to just not say anything. No, God says, yes, speak that truth. But speak it with kindness. Speak it lovingly. We can't just not say anything. And so... But with that, with being someone who speaks on behalf of God, there is a wrestle. We still go through things. We still, like, I don't know if I really want to. And so we find ourselves sometimes in just difficult circumstances. And I'm not going to try to say we're all going to get, you know. What I am going to say is, whether you obey or disobey, disobey there's going to be challenges in life. And so if you feel like, Man, I've been completely swallowed up into an impossible circumstance, and I don't even know if it's because of this or that. All I want to say is just pray. Just as you wrestle with God, whatever you feel swallowed up by in this season of life, Jonah gives us a key here. He just says, you know what? I'm get, I don't even understand what's happening right now. I just wanted to hear from God, and then he said something I didn't want to say, and so I just I was like preferred not to, and then here he's swallowed. But God does something in that time where he was in that great fish, and he just began to pray. His heart began to be touched with gratitude. I'm actually going to teach on that prayer some other time. But there's so many interesting things that surface in his heart, and something was solidified in that seed, in that moment. 
where he just fully surrendered at another level. And then we get to chapter 3. It's a repeat of chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord comes again. It literally says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And this is why I've been meditating on this book. Because we serve a merciful God. It's not a one and done God. See, some people serve like this really rigid, austere, exacting God. But the God of the Bible, the God of Jonah, the God of Israel, who we serve in Christ, he's a God of second chances. I don't know what everybody here has done with their life, but God will give you a second chance if you just surrender. He'll give me, he'll give you, he'll give you whatever your friend's dealing with and you're talking to your friend. Sometimes we give it a shot and it doesn't work out. And then you know what? It's like we went through a lot and then he goes, just do it again. Just keep going. We see this in the life of Jonah. We see this in the life of Peter, whose dad's name was Jonah. And so I have this theory that he probably heard Jonah stories his whole life. And Peter was like, I'm never going to deny God. I'm never going to run the other way. He does. And he needed a second chance. We know the Peter story. I preached that a couple weeks ago. But here we are, a prophet of God, as ordinary and as flawed as me and you. God says, do it again, Jonah. Why? Because he's merciful to the messenger. And he knows as he's kind to the messenger, the messenger will keep going and that messenger will eventually do what they're assigned to do, which is preach to the city. Now, we might not all preach to a city. We might not all, you know, have some huge thing. But you never know. You speaking something to someone could impact someone. And then they're the next Billy Graham. Or they're the next Christian school president. Or they're influential. But we don't know. And so we just we bear witness to the truth God's told us to bear witness to. Sometimes I wrestle deeply with God. Why did you put me inside this prayer world and have me talk about prayer? And why am I preaching the Bible? There's a million people better. And why? And he just says, just do it. It's what I've marked you to do. It's what I've called you to do. Just wrestle with it. Just, just go for it. It doesn't have to be this or that. You just do it. I'm so thankful for people like Jonah because it they just wrestled with it, and they finally just did it. It doesn't here. See, here's, I want to just make this point as well. There's nobody perfect. Nobody does it perfect. Nobody's a perfect Christian. Nobody's a perfect pastor. Nobody's a perfect preacher. Nobody's going to be the perfect whatever you do. We're all imperfect people. He's not going to wait to use you till you're perfect. Sometimes people like struggle, like, why does God use so many broken people? Why are there so many pastors and leaders and this and that? They're just so broken and weak. That's the only people God can choose from. There's nobody else. It's all broken people who just struggle to obey. There, there isn't someone else. There's no other category. It's Jesus and it's the rest of us. And so there's never going to be like that perfect person that should do this or that. It's actually you that are called to do it and me. And if we've wrestled and struggled with doing this or that, God says, just try again now. Because I'm the merciful God of second chances. I love people. Even, I mean, we see in the book of Jonah, God said Nineveh doesn't know their left hand from their right. They're so spiritually dull. They don't even get two plus two in the spirit. They have no idea what they're doing. And I love them desperately. 
I love them so much. And so Jonah go one. So Jonah says, okay, something happened when I got thrown over the boat and swallowed by a great fish. Prayer erupted out of me. Now I'm going to do it. I really will. So Jonah goes and does it. Jonah goes and does it. Here's the good news. A Gentile city that does not want to hear anything from a Jewish man. I love this story because they hear Jonah. And here's the thing. Chapter 3, verse 5. Jonah says that, you know, the message, by the way, if you're really excited to tell people they're wicked and that God's going to destroy their city, you probably not, you probably, you got to wrestle with that. There's got to be a tenderness to it. I appreciate the wrestle that Jonah went through. Jonah goes through the city. He starts proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Nineveh will be destroyed. What's it say in verse five? The Ninevites believed who? The Ninevites believed God. The Ninevites didn't believe Jonah. The Ninevites believed God. And that's part of the messenger. That's part of the making of a messenger. That's part when you go through the deep wrestle in the call of God, people begin to hear God when you talk, not just them anymore. They don't hear Jonah anymore. They don't hear the, the vessel. They go, wow, God talking. That, that was Jesus. And so something got out of the way in this. Something, Jonah just got stripped out of the equation even more. When these Gentiles heard Jonah, they heard God, the God of Israel, the God they don't even believe in, the God they don't even notice. They go, God is talking. And it says here in verse, uh, the later, <laughs> later on, wherever the verse is, verse 8, the king decrees, the king of this area, he says, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. We don't even know Jonah. We're not even into the Jewish thing, but we're going to call on their God. We believe. And so what does God do? They humble themselves through fasting. They pray. I mean, they are. I just, I, I don't even know an equivalent in our day and age, a, a people group that has never, ever probably called on God in their life. And they immediately humble themselves. They start praying and God has mercy on them. God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He had compassion, did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. We need more prophetic vessels like Jonah today in our day. We need more men and women who will simply speak the truths of the Bible, who will speak of Christ, who will, will warn people of the consequences of not believing in tenderness and kindness out of my heart. And I knew that. The rest of chapter four is God reasoning with Jonah. I love people so much more than you understand. Even though Nineveh is not my chosen people, even though they're not Israel, I, I want them. I want them to turn to me. Again, there's many layers of application there. But let me just make this real for us. There's usually a group of people that we're thinking, I don't like them. There's usually a group out there that we're thinking, that all of us wrestle with, I don't like them. For many conservatives, it's liberals. 
For many liberals, it's conservatives. For many conservatives, it, it could be the LGBTQ community. It could be the, the trans community. It could be uh, uh, the feminists of our day. What is the group that you kind of go, oh, I don't like them. Not really sure that's the group. Target them in prayer. Target them in prayer. Get a heart for them. What at, for, for Jonah, Jonah didn't like the Gentiles. And there are many Christians today who don't like Jews. It's whatever group you're wrestling with in your heart, and it may not even be evident. Sometimes stuff doesn't surface till later in life where we just go, ooh, I don't know about that. Here's the thing. There should not be a people group that's off limits in our heart. We should love them. You know, I uh, see what plays out on Twitter. I see what plays out on Facebook. I see all the vitriol, all the... I see it all the time. And I'm just telling you right now, God wants straight people saved. He wants gay people saved. He wants conservatives saved. He wants liberals saved. He wants men and women saved. He wants to reach every single type of person on the earth. And if there is a type of person that we're like, eh, don't be kind to them, don't save them, don't have mercy, I'm not going to, then that's the one God says, I need you to wrestle with me a little bit on that. By the way, God's good at wrestling. He's like 10 billion and oh. Nobody prevails against God. Okay. When Jacob wrestled with God, it wasn't like Jacob won. It was God had his way and changed him into Israel. God wins 100% of the matches. And so part of us being Christians, I know I've kind of gone touched here and there. Part of us being Christian, as we uh, navigate our life, as we step into the calling of God, step into what God's made us for, as we begin to allow him to work in us to be a messenger or a vessel of, of truth, Things come up. Things come up in our heart. And I want to, I want to just throw this out as, as, a, as a brother. We must learn of God's mercy toward that group out there that we don't like. Whatever that group may be. Jonah had to wrestle with this. And we have to wrestle with it. I see this all the time. Man, during the election cycles, it gets real. Like some people just... They love Jesus, but they really hate that group out there. It's like, oh my goodness, do we not know the scriptures? God says, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you don't really love God. Like, what? Like, we can't. we got to wrestle with these. we got to let the Lord change our hearts. Amen. Remember this. I'm going to go back to the, the initial truth. So much hangs in the balance of you obeying what God's called you to do. Okay, think of this with me. I'm just going to close with this thought. There are people, there are marriages, there are families, there are cities even, there are nations that hang in the balance of just people like us who struggle to obey what God's told us to do. I want to encourage you to keep wrestling, keep struggling forward. If you've totally blown it, you've done like a Jonah or a Peter, and you've totally blown it, you've denied the Lord, there's a way back in. Okay, and there's a, there, you know, I would never encourage anybody to just blow a season of their life just to find out that God's merciful. We never get that time back. But God runs to the prodigal. He really does. It's real. He says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. 
it's back on. I know you denied me, but it's on again. Jonah, I'm sending the word again. Go preach it. He is such a joyful, merciful God. And I know there's people today, they think, oh, I've just failed him so many times. He's, he's got unlimited mercy. He will give you the next chance. Just go all the way back. Amen. That was the mercy of God, finishing in half hour. <laughs> well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your servant, Jonah, who's up in glory right now, just probably enjoying his time with you. And we are so thankful for the lessons that his life gives to us, Lord. We're thankful for the truth of your word. And I truly pray, God, for... I just pray for just those hearing this message. Lord, anybody that has felt like I've blown it so massively, how do I get back in? And I just pray that they would know your mercy, that you, you see their heart. And that, that you're just saying, Jonah, keep going. Go a second time. Peter, keep, get back in. Be my sheep. Be the leader I told you. Lord, I just pray for your mercy over our lives. Just uh, manifest your mercy in greater measure. Show us that you're the merciful God. And I pray that for our community. Let your mercy touch thousands of lives tonight. Many people who've given up, re-enlist them. Show them your mercy. And I pray, Lord, where there are areas on our heart where we just, uh, it's that one group out there. Lord, give us such tenderness toward them, Lord. And help us to, uh, to really have a heart to minister to anyone that you would bring our way, no matter what they're dealing with, God. And we thank you once again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.